And so it is my great honor to introduce my son and a future great man of God, the speaker, Austin Burkhart. That was really nice. So, all right, let's start off in prayer. So, dearly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that it is the day that you have made and we will rejoice in the Father God, I pray that as I'm speaking today, that uh, your words would just flow through me, Father God, and that, uh, Lord, that they would go into our hearts. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for your spirit. I thank you, Lord, for everything that you've done this year in our hearts. And I thank you, Lord, for what's yet to come. In Jesus' name, amen. So, like my dad said, I'm turning 18 this week, so it's a big one, as John told, uh, but I was thinking about it, and I realized now, this is kind of the marking point, that I've been a licensed driver for three years now, so shout out to me, I haven't gotten any tickets, no wrecks, so I'm clean, <laughs> but I was looking back, and one of the things that I probably can never forget is driver's ed. Yeah, yeah, well, we did the, we did the parent pop version, which was, uh, definitely an experience, I'll tell you that. We, we learned a lot about each other, that's for sure. But, um, I remember this one thing that's ingrained into my mind, that, uh, my dad would just keep saying to me over and over, son, whatever you do, do not put diesel in a non-diesel Okay. He said this every time we went to the, the, the gas station, every time I'd get in the car, Hey, you remember, you remember, right? Don't put diesel in a non-diesel engine. Because, you know, as you know, it's kind of like, as bad as putting a Starbucks drink in your engine, it, it pretty much destroys it. And so I was thinking, and it, it seems like common knowledge when it comes to cars, of course, because, you know, don't put diesel in a diesel engine. I've never done that. Uh, but I, I realized that it applies to us spiritually. When we put the wrong things into our heart, it can mess us up just the same. Today we're going to be looking at a word uh, about a woman who's doing the same. So if you open to your Bible, we're going to be looking in John chapter 4, verse 3. And hold on to your Bible because we'll be moving from Scripture. So, alright, this one's a, a long one, so just hang in there with me. Uh, John chapter 4, starting with verse 3. So says, When the Lord learned of this, he went to Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go to Samaria. Now, so when he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of the ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph, Jacob dwelt with it, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When, he, when, he, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone to the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews are not associated with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a thing, you would not you would have asked him if he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with in the well of deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and servants? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. That's a good part. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The thirst be happy. And uh, the, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't have to uh, keep coming back to him to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband, and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, 
And the man you are, you have now is not your husband. What you just have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. But yet a time is coming, it is now come, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father sees. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, I who speak to you, answered Just then, his disciples returned and were surprised to be talking with the woman. But no one asked, What do you want? Or, Why are you talking with her? Then, leaving the water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me I have everything I ever did to this be Christ. Congratulations, you guys made that very long day. You see, this woman had been searching for that fulfillment, that something that we all search for in our lives. It's kind of like, uh, it's, it's a hole in us, really, that a guy created that only he can fill. And, uh, you know, I was reading, and I love the verse in Psalms, Four verse seven through eight says, "You have filled my heart with greater joy than when their grain and new wine abound. I will lie down and sleep in peace, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety." What I love about David in all the songs is you can really just uh, tell when God says that He was a man after His own heart. You see, David knew that nothing else in the world was satisfying like he did. It's also another song that says, "Sun comes before horses, sun comes and carries, so we trust in the name of the Lord our God." So, that, that's one of the reasons why I really love the songs. I really like the big to those. But really what I want to emphasize in this verse is that God wants to be your source. He wants to be the one that you run to. He wants to provide for you. He wants to bring you that peace. It doesn't come when you search for it in the things of this world that they offer the, the, the stuff that, the, the artificial things. But I've noticed that believers and unbelievers alike are all running their lives on empty because they don't know the promises of God that they have to. John 10.10 10 says, The thief may steal, kill, and destroy. I have come. They have life and have it to the full. Jesus wishes that we have our lives to the full. And yet, why do we see so many Christians running their lives on empty? Is that that they don't know the promises of God, but they still read the Bible? I'm not sure. But... One thing I do know is that every morning I walk into my parents' room, I can see my mom sitting on her bed, speaking out loud the promises of God, and she has this list of scriptures that she goes through. She goes through Deuteronomy 28. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed. The cross of your end, the land of your life, the cap of your herd, the land of your boss, your jacket, your name, your, the whole enchilada, basically. So. Jesus wants to quench that spiritual thirst in your life. So, I believe that there are three things that we can learn from the passage in John chapter 4 to help us quench that spiritual thirst in our lives. To say, as in John 7 38 says, have rivers of living water flowing from our lives. So, the first thing that I want to talk to you about today is recognize that your needs to be filled by Jesus. You need to recognize that you do have this hole in your life that only God can fill. In our passage this morning, the word of Jesus resonated with the woman because she knew she was living her life on empty. She was thirsty and she wanted what Jesus had to offer. 
The woman, we're told in the story, had five husbands, so in retrospect, she's kind of like the Elizabeth Taylor of our generation. She kind of just been going through, but the thing was, she was looking for something to fill her. And she thought, maybe if I can find the love of a man, then I will be happy. And it took five of them for her to go through to realize, hey, this isn't working. And for Jesus to tell her, you're right, you know, you, you, you've had five husbands, so the desire letter is the arms of all these men, but left their arms fulfilled. When we look to the world, we see the same thing. We see people looking for purpose, looking in all the wrong places, when really God is just crying out. And you hear God crying out sometimes, it's like, I want to be your peace, I want to be your provision, I want to be your joy, I want to be the thing that you run to when, when you're tired and weary. But no, we don't like that. We, we still fall for the same lie of the enemy, that no, this isn't, this isn't God's holding back on you. God, this isn't what you were meant to do. Try this. And yes, it, it might satisfy you for a little bit, but really, God's satisfaction is eternal. Amen. I know so many people who think that once I get that new phone, or new car, new TV, or new gadget, I'll, then I'll be happy. You know, oh, once I get just that, just that one more thing, then I'll be happy, then I'll be satisfied. But I've, I've also noticed something else. There's always one more thing. Nothing is enough. There's so many, so many wealthy people in the world who are happy. And we see this, but yeah, we still run after wealth as if it's something that will bring us joy or bring us peace, that you can get whatever you want. But obviously that doesn't work. So do you remember when you were a kid and you had those little toys, like you had a little circle hole, had a little box hole, had a triangle, and you had these pieces and you tried to fit them through? What happened when you try to put the square inside the circle? It doesn't work. Trust me, I tried. And it still baffles me. But it's like the same thing. We're trying to fit the square into the circle in our lives, and it, it doesn't work. You know, for everything good that God has created for us, the devil has created counterfeit. And when we fall for that counterfeit, we're falling for the lie of the Every time we do that, it just brings us further and further away from the heart of God. And it's, it's not something that happens instantly either. It's a, it's a slow. It happens slowly. You know, when you think, oh, go rob a bank right now. It's like, oh, that doesn't, that's like, no, that's terrible. But what I'm trying to say is it's not something that happens all at once. But know that God has created things for you that will be eternal. The Bible talks about uh, think what storing up your treasures in heaven that will not rot here, will not destroy. So, we need to recognize our need to be filled. Most importantly, we need to recognize that we cannot be fulfilled on our own. We need Jesus. Just like my dad was trying to explain to me that putting the wrong kind of gas in your car will mess up your engine. Putting the wrong things in your car will only make you unsatisfied. And one thing my dad keeps telling me is that man will fail you, but God never will. So put your trust in God. So, like John 10 10 says, I've come to give you life and have it to the full. Jesus has come to fill us up. We came to quench our spiritual thirst, but we have to recognize our need for him first. Psalms 42, verses 1 and 2 says that as deer longs for drink of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. Amen. We need to have that thirst in our lives for him first before we can be filled by him. So, the second thing that we can do is to, to quench our spiritual thirst is to allow God to make the marriage filled with him. Now this is a big one, I cannot block it so much, but when the Samaritan woman tells Jesus, give me this living water, 
He goes straight to it so he's like, he says, go get your husband knowing what you're saying. And she could have, you know, I can, I can only imagine the reaction. It's like, oh, you know, I, uh, I, I don't have a husband. And Jesus thought, you're right. You know, you don't have, you don't have, and since you've had five husbands, and the man you're living with right now isn't, uh, you're not married to. Immediately, Jesus had exposed a major area of her broken law. For a woman of that culture to been through what she had been through, going through five husbands, she would have been mocked. She would have been raided. And, you know, you, there's a whole bunch of, like, historical about her going to the well at that time. But that wasn't the time that they normally went to the well. Because normally they go in groups, she was going by herself. But that's a different sermon. <laughs> Jesus knew her brokenness, and that's why he asked her that question. But he wanted her to acknowledge that, too. In our lives, Jesus comes to us with the offer of living water, but we have to be able to allow him to mend our brokenness. I, I have a little illustration, and probably this. This is a cup. This cup represents our lives, and this pencil represents sin. And when we let sin into our lives, it creates a hole. Okay? The more we let sin into our lives, the bigger the hole becomes. This cup can't be filled now because it has a giant hole in it. Before we can allow Christ to fill us up, we have to allow him to come to the sensitive parts of our lives, the, the past that we don't want to talk about. We have to allow him to come to bring healing into that. So, Jesus used a similar example in Luke chapter 5, verse 37. He says, No one puts new wine into old wine skin, for the new wine would burst with the wine skin, fill the wine, and remove the skin. He wants to make you new before you fill you up. So, when Christ offers us the willing water, he also needs the Holy Spirit to expose our areas of brokenness. The question is, what will you do when he does Will you continue on with the, your life and pretend like nothing happens, or will you pray to him and ask him to, to, to heal you in that area? Jesus has come to make us new creatures. He has come to make us whole. But to make us whole, he has to show us we are broken and heal us. In the passage we read, it would have been easy for the woman, when asked by Jesus, to go get her husband to just walk away. Just be like, you know what, hey, nice talking to you, I'm going to go back now, so, you know, do the brush off. But no, she allowed Jesus in. She allowed him to reveal the area of brokenness into her life. So. Jesus wants to reveal our brokenness, not for the sole purpose of showing us where we're at fault, but to heal us. That, you know, that, there's Jesus, there's a side of his loving injustice, but there's also his, his side of love. And it's a perfect blend. So, he doesn't just show you where you're broken, just to the show, the, the sole purpose of showing you how you mess up in your daily life. You have to use that to bring healing into your life. A broken vessel cannot be full. You cannot live a full life without Jesus coming in and getting your areas of brokenness. The third and final thing that we do to quench our spiritual thirst is this: enter into His presence. We can do this by spending time in God's Word. We can do this by praying and worshiping. When we read the Bible, we are getting a glimpse at what the heart of God is. That is why it's so important to stay plugged into the Word. It's the first thing that the enemy will try to do in your life. He'll try to get you away from the time of the Word. By spending time in prayer, we come closer to God in our relationship with Him. The more you talk with someone, the better you get to know them. Just like in you know any kind of relationship, the more that you talk to someone and get to know their heart, the closer you do to come with them. 
And the better a relationship we have with them, the more that we realize that our relationship with Christ can represent our relationship with each other. Like, you know, the Bible talks about how Christ, love your wives the same way Christ loves the church. And when we worship, it's not just with songs and hymns or, um, you know, worship bands, but it's with our lives. When we truly allow God to take over every aspect of our life, He fulfills us with something that no one else can offer. In this passage, Jesus shares a brand new concept with this woman. Let's just take a look at who the Samaritans were. Really the Samaritans were a group of people who, that lived in Samaria, which was technically Israel, but the Jews hated the Samaritans, Samaritans hated Jews, vice versa. Samaritans intermarried with other uh, cultures, and they only followed the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, whereas the Jews followed the Hebrew scriptures. And they had an angel view about where was the right place to worship. They were always worried, like the, the Pharisees, about where was the right place to do this, the regulations, and stuff like that. But Jesus doesn't focus on what's right and wrong. He brings in a new perspective, adds a new point of view. It says in John 4, 23, Indeed, the time is coming, and it is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. The Father is looking for people like that to worship them. Jesus is showing her that to quench her spiritual thirst, she has to become a worshiper of God. And that doesn't mean you have to raise your hands in a certain way or have the perfect world. It's talking about living your life as a worship to God. And there is something special about when we enter into worship. We, that, that presence that you get to experience with Him, it's, it's really just the closeness. And that's what focuses up spiritually. And that's what that, that means is when we when we get energized with, with our lives that worship Christ, that's what keeps us moving on. So, what does it mean to have two worship? Does it mean to lift your hands in a certain way? No, it's, it's living the life God is talking about, and that will naturally bring God's glory. That will quench the spiritual faith in your life. We have a similar invitation in our lives. We have the invitation to worship Him with more than words, but with our lives. He wants us to come in truth and in sincerity. We have been invited into the throne room of God, something that hasn't been done until Jesus came. There is truly an intimacy that comes when we worship God. That is like nothing other than that the world can offer in our lives. He wants us to live our lives to the fullest, abundant life, a life overflowing with rivers of living water. Yes, there are some, some things in the world that will satisfy us, but those satisfaction between the world, it will wear off. Same way like a drug wears off of your body. But there is something, Jesus Christ, that will fill your life, that will, as it says, make a well. If the well doesn't run out, it keeps filling back up. So, in Isaiah 40, verses 28 to 31, he says, Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths go tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those whose hope is in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. This morning, I want to offer you this living water. The source that can only come with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Something that will satisfy you more than any new iPhone or car or TV or drug or drink or anything in the world 
will bring you satisfaction. It is better. I promise that if you offer your heart to God, you will create me that well of living water in me. And I know I've said this several times, but there truly is nothing like being in the presence of God. It will fill you up more than anything that you can imagine. And that's truly why we were created to be close to God, to have fellowship with Him. This morning, there may be some of you who say, I've never experienced what it's like to be filled by God. Maybe you've never had God fill your life, or you've just been too long away from the source. And so, I'd like to lead you in a prayer, and if you say this prayer, meet with your heart, and you will be saved. And it will quench that thirst inside of you, while longs for, for peace, and longs for happiness. And it won't be easy, I'm not saying it's, it's a, a yellow brick road to happiness, but it, it will satisfy you like nothing else. So, if you guys, if you want to accept this living water, I want to leave you in a prayer. So, and your thirst will be clean. So, if you bow your head, and we'll see that thing you. Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I am a sinner, and I need your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave to give me life. Please forgive me. Change my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I now confess Jesus Christ as my Savior during your faith. Amen. Thank you guys for listening to me today. I know that it is hard to live for Christ. It is hard to, to put away the things in the world when they look so tempting. But when you do, it is so satisfying when you do something to God. To allow Him to make the errors of your hands. To allow Him that once you recognize our need for Him, let Him fix our brokenness and enter into His presence. It is like nothing else before. So thank you guys. Love you. Dad, you want to come up to speak a blessing? So. Uh, all of us had areas in our, our little cups that since we started out as a tin mold and started getting away to our And uh, God wants to heal those holes. And that's why you were here today, is to hear a very simple message from the young man who loves God, to not be distracted by the things of this world, but to speak God. And all of us today, all of you, to hunger after God more than anything. We'd like to close, as I close, I always speak a blessing over you so you will stand today. May the Lord bless you and protect you, and may He smile upon you and be gracious to you, and may He give you favor and go with peace. Thank you, Greg. We will be tearing down today, but we do get to leave everything set up for next week, so we will have tear down today right after service. God bless you. Thank you.